Welcome to Joiners, the podcast where Tim and Danny get punched in the face weekly by hospitality's heavyweight champions. This week we have John Mannion of El Che Steakhouse. Danny, Tim, welcome back. You were just uh, away, were you not? It's been a minute, yeah. I was traveling the past couple weeks. Uh, We have a big account going on, uniform account in New York. So we were out there measuring people for custom suits. New York City, Manhattan. (laughs) Nice. Uh, So, wait, you were measuring security guards uh, for custom suits. How many? Uh, Man, not everybody was able to make it to their appointment, but... In all, I think we got just over 200 guards fitted for their suits. So with the ones who didn't make it to their point, what happens? Uh, so we were working with a tailor who's based in Soho, uh, Alex, who is really awesome guy and very helpful. And uh, so the guys who didn't make it in for their fittings are going to have to go to the tailor shop. We were actually posted up in the lobby of uh, Pen 11. Hmm. So Alex won't have to ride over in his Razor scooter to get the measurements in person. <laughs> no, he did. He actually, I think he ran to the very... He's a, very athletic guy he actually ran to the fitting one day showed up like mm. soaked in sweat it was like it was hot it was yeah. like it was almost 100 degrees in new york in the in summer new york is yesterday tough. yeah and there's a heat wave heat wave yeah so oh. i got back last night nice nice to be back yeah absolutely especially considering all the travel troubles you seem to have yep one one canceled flight didn't get out on monday and uh of course they they waited till we were on the tarmac and had waited there for a couple hours no ac Uh, (laughs) then they decided to cancel it dream scenario uh any highlights from the new york trip yeah we had some great meals we hit up some good bars when we weren't working we got off pretty early each night around 5 or 5 30 so we made it over to thai diner uh, mother's ruin uh finelli's cafe Hmm. Uh, happiest hour was another good spot we hit up yeah it was good i had some good pizza at uh this place called waldy's in manhattan this nice thin cracker crust Although, don't talk cracker crust with John Mannion. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's not here for it. He is not, as you will uh, soon learn, listeners. Yeah, this week we are we talked to John Mannion, uh, friend of Stock, friend of Danny and Scofflaw. Yeah, he's a great guy and uh, a great interview as well. Yeah, he's uh, he's the master of fire and cooking with it. He's uh, he's America's answer to Francis Mallman, I'd say. Yeah. That's pretty accurate. So uh, without further ado, here's our conversation with John Mannion. shut down i took home like an old-fashioned mm-hmm. in it to like in a to-go container which was four and i just wasn't thinking about like one of those plastic yeah exactly yeah. like just and it was meant for four servings and i sat down like put a nice cube in on my uh front porch and was just thinking my thoughts and i'm like oh i'm fucked up yeah. <laughs> you just had four, had four drinks i texted alex our, our bar manager i'm like Oh, yeah, we should maybe put a warning on this because I'm <laughs> yeah. fucking hammered. My wife's like, are you okay? I'm like, not really. Yeah. <laughs> no. I was out at my dad's farm last weekend, and he had just a bottle of, like, pre-batched uh, old-fashioned stuff. And I put down, like, half the bottle. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Uh, yeah, it just kind of hanging out. Yeah. Farm, farm living. Who's farm more living. likely to drink more, you or Nicole? Me. 
She yeah. knows when to stop. Who holds it? <laughs> she knows when to stop. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Me. I have an insatiable thirst, though. Yeah. <laughs> Some things happen. But you know what's funny is like, since the, the golden era of me living down here, like if you take your foot off the gas, it goes away. You know what I mean? Like I was a pretty proficient, like I was a good drinker. And now I go out and I'm like, I got to go. Tolerance yeah. wise. Yeah, tolerance wise. Yeah. I'm the same way. Uh, I've never really had a high tolerance, but I really got to be drinking pretty consistently to uh, to not be affected. I think it's probably a good thing because now I'm like, I got to go. Also, I've been hearing the same conversation for like 25 years. I gotta fucking go. I've overserved myself. Uh, <laughs> pardon me. Oh man. Uh, all right. So yeah, so where to start with John? We John. both we both know John. Uh, yeah. I guess should we start at the beginning? I know your your bio. Obviously, you you moved around a lot as a kid. Yeah, I did, and I that did. informed your tastes and things. That's, yeah. Uh, I think that when I, well, when I was a kid, my dad worked for Ford and we moved to Sao Paulo, Brazil from the Metro Detroit area. And, uh, <clears throat> I certainly wouldn't be doing what I'm doing for a living now if I hadn't had that experience. How's your Portuguese? Terrible. I understand it, but like you never hear it. I found yeah. that if I'm there for a little while, it comes back. Like it's, it lives there somewhere, but I'm not smart enough to have languages in my head like that. Yeah. I struggle. It's, Portuguese is tough because it's similar to Spanish. It's so different. Yeah, it's more like Italian. It's, so but it's it's deceiving. more like Italian to Spanish, where you start like you think you're slick and you start speaking what you think is Italian to in Spanish. Yeah, and you're just wrong. Yeah, you need to be careful. <laughs> if you know a couple words, yeah. that can be deceiving to somebody who does speak Portuguese, and they're going off, and you're like, I Nothing. really just knew and that especially one Brazilian phrase. Portuguese has a lot of African words in it that are just like hmm. you're just lost. You really. Know? Um, but I understand it. My Spanish is like getting worse and worse by the year. Yeah, but that's that was, how I feel. It, I was a Spanish major. And, it's just uh, terrible. It's embarrassing. Yeah, agreed. I'm, I'm like the just point, grasping at straws trying to find the words I need. I'm at the point where I don't really speak it because I'm embarrassed by, and I used to be so good at it. Yeah, it's, it's a confidence terrible. thing. I, I definitely. I did a lot of Spanish in high school and college and major in it like Danny, but. I thought I, you were... I'm like conversational and uh, I, I wanted to brush up on it. So I started doing Duolingo and uh, my sister and I started doing it together. And then for her birthday, I got her some like private lessons with somebody in, I think she's in El Salvador. And Liz is like the one-on-one -on -one lessons are so much better. She's like Duolingo is good for vocabulary and right. brushing up on words, but like you need to be speaking like the locals. You need to know the colloquialisms, the, you just got to get dropped in like it, that. you know, yeah. otherwise like I, that's the only mm -hmm. way I learn. Yeah. Totally immersion. Anything, really. Mm -hmm. So you were eight years old when you moved to Brazil, right? Yeah. And that was like, um, I think that back then we weren't so sophisticated. I don't know that my sister and I even had a grasp of what Brazil was or where it was. But the way that I remember it was one day we're at the kitchen table and my dad was like, what do you kids think about moving to Brazil? And I was like, that sounds great. And then the next day, like they put my toys in a box. And like the <laughs> next day we were flying into Sao Paulo and it was like, Oh, what happened here? What did I agree what the to? Fuck? <laughs> Cause Sao Paulo is like, if you've never been there and it's like, it's so, and this is like 1977. It's so fucking big. It's hard to grasp and it keeps on getting bigger and bigger, but the, it's almost like Mexico city where the, that's contained by a, it's in a Valley. This is on a plateau. So it just keeps on going like sprawl. Yeah. And the infrastructure is, not non-existent, but it's huge and it just keeps going and it's impossible to get anywhere. But at the same time, 
it's this really cosmopolitan city where all these, like we think of it, we think of Brazil and it's full of Brazilians, but it's full of like so many Lebanese people and so many Italians and so many, like there's more Japanese people living in Sao Paulo than anywhere outside of Tokyo. Hmm. Oh, really? And these are all huge influences on the culture there. So it wasn't just like getting thrown into Brazilian culture. It was being exposed to all these other things as well. Yeah. Wow. Did you have, were you pretty open-minded as far as like flavors go even then? Absolutely not. I like, (laughs) when I was a little kid, I was typical, like I would eat peanut butter and jelly and like hot dogs, but just with ketchup and no bun. Like I was super, super picky. And then you get dropped down there and there was, there was nothing. All the things that I took comfort in, I had to completely just relearn. And I, I remember we stayed in this hotel called the Cadoro, which was an Italian owned hotel. And it had a pool and it was like this old stately, like beautiful hotel. It's still there. It's been redone. Um, and the first day, like we went to the pool and had lunch and I'm looking at this menu in Portuguese with like English translations. I'm like, oh, I'm fucked. You know, like, what am I going to do? And my mm. dad got me a steak sandwich, which was like a ribeye with salt and like some chimichurri and some mayonnaise and like a good fucking tomato and like lettuce in a way that I'd never had it. And on like a Italian crunchy roll. Yeah. And I ate it and I was like, this is going to be okay, man. Wow. This is, is going to be all right. This is the turning point. Yeah. So I... Up to that point, I wasn't, but then as we went on, I was like, oh, fucking lobster is delicious. You know, this is delicious. What is this? So it was, uh, it definitely opened my eyes. And I think a big part of living overseas, especially if you're in like a community like that, it was, you know, there was Ford, there was Caterpillar, there was Bendix. There were all these pockets of Americans living down there, going to one of two schools. So we spent a lot of time like with each other and traveling around Brazil and subsequently the rest of South America together, but it was always over meals. Yeah. And that formed my like my family's real love for food. It became a big part of like what we do. Yeah, and then so how do you go from there to actually making food? Were you cooking as a kid? No, my mom was a really good cook. Um she taught like kid classes and I remember her like ve- uh, burning veal bones to make veal stock and like how that stunk in our house <laughs> so she was always in the vein of like you know the Julia Child Jacques Papin like she was big into it and they traveled internationally and uh, we always ate well my mother's a great cook still is um, I ended up working in restaurants because it was more fun than the car wash that I worked for my first job when I was 14 yeah, like being a busboy what city it was, uh, the car wash was in, it was on Orchard Lake, so Bloomfield Hills, oh, yeah. Michigan. I lived in Farmington Hills when we moved back. Yeah. Um, still there. Bloomfield Hills? <laughs> still, the car wash is still there. The oh. Sunoco on the corner of like wow. 13. And it's right across from where Takashi was. Huh. Our tribute. Yeah. Did you go to Cranbrook? No, that's a private school. Hey, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, no, I went to Detroit Catholic Central. I was just like quoting Eminem there. <laughs> Eight mile. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so yeah, no, I went to Detroit Catholic Central. So wait, how long were you in Brazil? Five years. Came back came in like back the eighth grade, which is just an awesome time to like <laughs> pack up everything <laughs> to and just land in a like new school. All these kids like I speak Portuguese. Yeah, they're, they're like, like what's up, care. freak show? Did you were any? Did you know any kids from none? No, before? It's no one. Starting over from scratch. Starting over from scratch. Yeah. Uh, it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. And then, so you started working in restaurants after the car wash. Yeah. Busting tables, dishwashing. You know, I, we always 
I don't know, it was the era we always had jobs. We managed to like get gr- good grades and play sports and have jobs and do stuff. Um, we always worked, and I really liked it. I liked being around the kitchen. Um, even in college, I went to Marquette in Milwaukee. Um, my jobs were always in restaurants. And did you know that, like, at what point did you know you had like a real kind of skill or? I always knew that I was skilled. Like it became easy, very easy to me as a home cook. Um, interestingly, I kind of came to cooking from another angle because we lived in Brazil. My grandfather was the, uh, photo editor of the Buffalo Evening News. He was a big, like, he was a Studs Terkel guy. He was a Hemingway guy. And he would send us all these books. Because, like, back then, you couldn't get books in English other than, like, what was in the library at school. But there was no, you were cut off, you know? Yeah. There was no real culture. Like, that, that's when Star Wars came out. And I heard about it for, like, six months until <laughs> I came back on home leave and, like, saw it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I read a lot of these books, mostly Hemingway, way before I think that I should have or would be appropriate, but I comprehended them. And because we were traveling and like having these experiences, they seemed, uh, just normal to me, you know, like they're war stories, they're travel stories. Yeah. Uh, so I, when I came back to the States, I was, I was well read and I got thrown into honors English and I had this, um, teacher my freshman year, Jeff Bean, who... I wrote a paper and he was like, what, did you write this? I was like, yeah, I wrote this, you know, what are you kidding me? <laughs> and he was like, so we started, we had this conversation about like where, like how I knew these things. And, um, he recommended to me this Michigan author, Jim Harrison. And at the time, Jim Harrison was the food editor and writer for Esquire magazine. So I, I got a subscription to Esquire, huh. not because I was interested in fashion or anything. It was, it was not on my radar but to read Jim Harrison's columns. And I became really fucking fascinated with like what he had to say about hunting and, you know, foraging and, you know, eating in these restaurants in Paris. It was like this really romantic Hemingway-esque version of food and wine. Um, And that really like put the zap on me. So I came to it from literature as well. What grade was that? I was a freshman in high school. What do you think it was about your writing that he noticed? Was it like the vocabulary? I think like it was about it was just maturity. Probably. It was just advanced, I think, Set compared to like. Also, I re- enjoyed like it. Your experience as a as an adolescent was a little bit more advanced than most kids. You've I think that if you get oh, yeah, yeah, if you get cut off from, I don't know. Everyone seemed dumb when I came back. You know what I mean? Well, that's that's just commentary on American schooling I for guess. sure. <laughs> I like they all caught up. You know what I mean? In some like, way. Yeah. yeah no, I'm. Like, they, they, then they passed me. Yeah. I, I peaked <laughs> freshman point. year of high school, too. Mm-hmm. I, I know how it goes. Um, wow, I peaked pretty... about freshman year. That's yeah. the smartest I ever was. <laughs> it's interesting that you came into it from like a literary perspective. Yeah, it was, it was a well. huge influence. It was a huge influence. So, um, and I started cooking things like that got me into cookbooks. And uh, at some point, when my sister, who was two years older than me, went to college, my mom was like, all right, cool. Well, you can do this. Like, you can. We always had to have dinner together. It was a thing we did. Phone was off, and we ate dinner. And uh, she was kind of like, cool, you guys can do this. You can do this now. <laughs> you know, like, wow. you're cooking dinner, which I, which I truly enjoyed. Did you cook more than your sister? I did, yeah. She's a great cook, too, though. Um, she, do you guys have similar styles? Mm, she's a way better baker than I am. She's okay. way more patient than I am. But uh, she tends to stick to the recipe and then go from there. Whereas, like, I've been doing this so long, I just make it up as I go yeah, along. Yeah, of course. You know you what I mean? mean? Yeah, you're not like me following some recipe. Yeah. I find it hard to, like, I can't. 
Um, yeah, but I mean, everyone, we still, when we have lunch, we talk about dinner. When we have dinner, we talk about lunch. Breakfast, yeah, of course. Breakfast, who cares? Yeah. It's um, useless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah breakfast is just so, yeah, it gets so repetitive. I mean, it's like, like, what can you do? And like, also, on the best day, fucking pancakes, really? Like, this is, I'd rather have a, a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, you know same. what I mean? Like, what are we even doing? Yeah, I, I often will reheat, like, dinner from the night before yeah. for breakfast. Yeah, and Ellie's like, you can. you're crazy. And I'm like, well, I'd rather eat this than... Another bowl of cereal or right. an egg. Or Two whatever. words: breakfast pasta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just get your pasta. day started, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't you know, know. What about like a savory oatmeal? I'd rather have pasta. Okay. Mm-hmm. I always judge things like that wouldn't be bad, but I'd rather just have like carbonara. It's got eggs and bacon. Cool. Like, That'd be that. great. That's yeah. way better, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think with breakfast, it's like you know, you make your savory oatmeal or whatever. A handful of times, and then you just get sick of it. Yeah, I eat like yeah. yogurt and berries, and I'm never like it's fine. Yeah, exactly. But it's just to kind of get me to the 100%. next thing that I'm gonna eat. I'm never, and I don't want to eat too much in case like something comes up where I'm like, oh, I'm full from eating that <laughs> yeah, bullshit. Food opportunity comes yeah. your way. Yeah, I'll make a batch of like a chia pudding, and I'm like, this will last me the week. I'll have it on Monday, and then I'm like, mm, good. Yeah, that's right, fine that. now. <laughs> I did something good out. for myself yeah. today. Um, and then so okay, so you knew. So you, when yeah. I, well, so when I was going to college, I was a. Uh, I had a double major in English and political science, which qualifies you to do, like, nothing, really. Um, and I had... No one was trying to be a chef back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. But my senior... Between my junior and senior year, I stayed in Milwaukee because I, I had to go to summer school because I enjoyed Marquette immensely. Mm-hmm. So maybe I got a little behind on my credits and I had to catch up. Yep. Um, and I had this job at a French restaurant called Buster's Bistro. Sounds legit. It was legit. It was cool. The guy, like, and I don't remember his name, but the chef was, like, fresh out of the CIA. Yeah. And it was just him and his sous chef, who was, like, this character who had just come back from, like, he sold all his shit and went to move to the Grand Canyon. He was a hippie. You know what I mean? Yeah. But these guys would, like, get in the kitchen. And I and I started out as a waiter, and I ended up working garmage there for them. And they would, like, just throw down. It was, like, it was so cool to watch. And this was just kind of happening in the night. This is the late 80s. Late 80s. Yeah. And this was just kind of happening happening in America at that point, you know, like it was outside of the realm of anything you'd ever seen, and mm. any like I'd worked in kitchens, but not like that. But what really got me is um, they would always like disappear. They would like work the line, tickets were clear. They'd be like, "We'll be right back." Start breaking down, and they go out the back door and they come back like 15, 20, 30 minutes later, and they'd break down. And I was never invited until like my last night. And so what they would do is they would go out the back door, hit a one-hitter, go through like they had a little garden. They'd go in the back door of, uh, there's a performing arts center in Milwaukee. Well, this time, and it may still be there, there was arts performing center, Kitty Corner, which was a strip club. (laughs) They would go in the back door, they would do a shot, they'd drink a beer, they'd smoke a grit, and go back to work. But it was like they'd walk in the back. It was like casino. They'd walk in the back door. Like, hey, Candy. Hey, guys. You know, it was fucking amazing. And I was like, wow. oh, this is okay, man. I can get behind this. That is a trip. At least you got to experience it one time. One time. I'm the like, last night. They knew you couldn't incriminate them. I, I was like, co- I was like college boy. You know what I mean? Like, they were like, this, this fucking guy.
Party Can is a large format craft cocktail that comes in a variety of tasty flavors. There's spicy margarita, cosmopolitan, and gold rush old fashioned. If you're looking for a party in a can, look no further. Party Can. What was Milwaukee like at the time, late 80s? Uh, okay, so this is, I graduated in 91. This is uh, early 90s, actually. It was the time of Dahmer. That, oh. was, that was going on, like, blocks from where I lived. Oh, hmm. wow. Yeah. I had no idea that was a Milwaukee thing. Oh, yeah. It was, like, block. It was, like, I right hear. off Marquette's campus. Chicago had Gacy. Yeah, we had Milwaukee Dahmer. Had Dahmer. Huh. Wow. But, like, I saw, like, he was a neighborhood guy. I saw that guy. Like, when, I, when it came out. So when I moved, so after college I moved to DC because I had a double major in English and poli sci and like yeah. what do you do nothing yeah. and DC's moved to full DC. of motherfuckers who don't have <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. like no qualifications <laughs> so I got this job in uh, in issues based public relations which was as dreadful as it sounds yeah. and, but one of the things I had to do is every morning I would get a stack of newspapers. And you'd look for our clients, which was like the American Federation of Teachers and like quotes. And this was before computers like really took over. And, you know, you'd highlight them and you'd make clips and you'd send it to the, the higher ups. And and that so that went. So when that story broke, I was like, it was unreal. You're like my buddy Jeff? <laughs> Jeff was the guy. For real? And then you get the guilt of like, how come we never hit on me, man? <laughs> Uh, but no, but like it was taking place literally around the corner from like uh, my friend's house that we always hung out at. Wow, it was insane, wild. That is and there nuts. were like did that off campus bars. <laughs> the over- did it haunt you? Like just no, it seemed very it. like remote. I didn't. Yeah, it it was crazy that it was ha- like this shit was going down while I was like smoking bongs around the corner. Like that's <laughs> yeah. a little strange, but it seemed very remote. Huh. Wow. Was this, there, is a, this is a strange digression for this No, podcast. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> True crime podcast. So, yeah, how'd you get from D.C. to back to the so I So, I had this job um, at this PR firm, and my sister was in PR and marketing, so, like, I just kind of rode her coattails a little bit because I didn't know I was pretty lost. And I had a job uh, bartending and cooking. It was, like, there was a line behind this bar. It was called Hard Times Cafe. <laughs> and uh, there's one in Alexandria, Virginia. It's a little mini chain in, yeah. in Virginia. And it was great, man. Like, all the guys there were, like, into music. And we had vegan chili. So, like, the guys from Fugazi would come in. You know what I mean? Like, it was just this cool little enclave. And I always I kept that job on the weekends. And uh, I went back to see my folks once. My dad was like, what are you doing, man? Like, this is not, like, what are you going to do? This is... You yeah. can do whatever you want, except be a lawyer. You know, and we got your back. <laughs> but <fair>. like, <laughs> um, and I decided, like, I, I want to get into the restaurant business. I want to, like, this is what I want to do with my life. So I moved here. I moved to Chicago. I it, went to Marquette. So, I like, all my friends lived here. It was yeah, very easy. So was there a poll down in Chicago? I know they're kind of. It was just, easy. you know, I'm from Amtrak Detroit. There yeah, the it was, it, easy was, to get, it uh, was very easy. No, I packed up my Ford Festiva <laughs> that I bought for cash, new. Very nice. And I like drove out here. It was like I could park anywhere. And uh, yeah. What part of town did you land in? Uh, Lakeview, like where everybody, did, everyone did in the old days. Like you'd go to Lakeview and then you'd figure it out. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> you I know, directly to Ashland and Irving That's, Park. I got and to then skip that. Figured step. it out. I uh, yeah. like I lived on Oakdale. Mm-hmm. And what was the first place you worked at? It was called Grappa Dean okay. Zanella. It was 200 East Chestnut. And I got that job before I actually moved out here. 
and he was like he still is great but i learned so much it was crazy hmm. and then i moved out here to go to kendall and um i would like either wake up in the morning and go work prep and lunch at grappa then go to school in evanston or the reverse like i didn't do anything else yeah was kendall in evanston yeah it was in evanston time? oh I did not know that. What did you do at Grappa? It sounds like prep stuff. I, I worked prep. I worked the line. Uh, I worked like the pastry station. Yeah. Which was a big display kitchen that there was pizzas and whatnot, and I was like by myself, which was pretty cool. It was out front. Um, yeah, it was really informative, and Dean was like really generous with his knowledge, and you know, when I decided to leave Kendall because I had already been to college, and it was kind of like. A lot of career changers and a lot of 18-year-olds who are trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And in culinary school, and I talk to kids who go to it now, it's no different. There's usually like three or four people who you know are going to like make it. And everyone else is kind of like just wasting your time. <laughs> yeah. And you know this at the end when you got to break down. There's a group of people who like sweep real slow or like polish their knives a long time. And there's like three or four people who are like, I get the fuck out of here. And do all the dishes and clean everything. And those are the people who are going to end up doing it for a living. Yeah. But uh, I had a night class, and it was a fish class, and we had one salmon that we had to break down. I think we had to poach it. That day at lunch, Dino had been like, he was like, I got these 12 salmon. I need them broken down for this lunch. Can you do it? And I was like, you got to show me how. First time ever breaking down a salmon, which is a really easy fish to, to work with. Did a dozen of them felt great go to school and these three other guys are like why don't you do it man you know like just do it like well what you're paying all this money like when are you gonna have a whole salmon what's wrong with you so i did and i went to larry smith who was this great 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 the best teacher uh like old school south side guy uh he passed a couple years ago but i was like larry man i gotta go he was like what i was like i i I gotta work in the morning this is fucking bullshit i gotta go I like I'd had it and Larry was like, come here. We went to his office. He lit up a grit and he was like, what's going on? And I told him, I'm like, this is what I'm doing. You know, like in my free time, I'm reading like Harold McGee. This just seems like it's a fucking waste of my time. And Larry was like, yeah, you're right. You don't have to do this anymore. I'll just give you an A. Like, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were living it. Yeah, Yeah. I was living it. I was living it. So, and it was only a six month course anyway i think i intended to go for two years but i just like that was the end of it and uh yeah i went from there so did you make it to six months or is that like a five month i did no 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 i like i finished the other classes but larry was like you don't have to come back to this night class you're you're done so how long were you at grappa before you left to move on to bigger and better oh boy Uh, a year i think yeah a year ish and then i made like uh an interesting choice to take a sous chef job for an independent restaurant, which is like 1156 West Grand that I was like not ready for. And it was like a startup and it was two guys who were cousins. And they were awesome. Uh, and then like, it was just fun. Is that like where Tempesta is? How it is a uh, east, butterfly. I think. I think it's butterfly now. Oh, I know what you're talking right about. in the yeah. middle of the block. Yeah. Yep. Back then though, it was like, that was the neighborhood. That was like the other, like, Hey, how you doing? Mind your business. <laughs> you know, like it was, Italian. Yeah, yeah, that was before you had a West Loop. South oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Way before that. Yeah, I used to live like Grandin. So the next place I moved was Grandin Carpenter. Okay. Because there was nothing. There was just nothing happening over there. Is yeah. that where the Burger Baron is? Yeah, 
Yeah, it's yeah. right there. That's across <laughs> from Tempesta, but yeah. Yeah. You could have like a cold beer and a burger and just like think your thoughts. Yeah. It was oh, amazing. Man. How is Burger Baron? Was the Baron there at the time? The Baron was there, yeah. Wow. Yeah, the Baron was there. Um, Are they back open? They closed. Yeah, no, they're open. Okay. It's back then. It was great. Now it's kind of like, but back then you couldn't find a really good burger. You know, like it was there was not a lot going on here burger wise. Hmm. Um, so it was adequate. <laughs> you know, I feel like I was hungover a lot back then, so it was just like what I needed. Yeah. You know. Yeah. A slab of frozen beef that was. Put on a griddle, like seasoned yeah. with salt and pepper. It was fine. As long as they didn't skip that seasoning step, mm-hmm. it worked out pretty well. Um, wow. Okay, so you so Cindy place. Yeah. Soon. So like it was it was interesting, but it was like too soon. Yeah. I was teaching myself a lot, and back like I sound like such an old guy, but like back way back then. <laughs> but like you didn't have resources. You know what I mean? Now you've got kids who are like making world class ramen who've never been to Japan. But like back then, I had like cookbooks you know and yeah. you look at them and you try to figure things out but yeah. if, if there's nobody teaching you it's really hard to learn probably made you more resourceful though it, it definitely did and it also like gave me i think my own voice pretty early on yeah yeah like at what point did you know you wanted to like go the grilling like the asador kind of route so that was um well fast like and then i had a bunch of jobs and it was but I, uh, whatever but i always wanted to do <laughs> south american food that was part of it like because i had this experience it was always like, I want to do Brazilian food and I want to do this kind of South American food. And I did at uh, Moss, which is, which was, we're bangers and laces now. Okay. And that was like a very early, uh, I mean, it's crazy to think about, but like that place was fucking packed all the time. It was hmm. like one of those Wicker Park places when there were only like 20 restaurants in the city. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was, um, you know, like this is back when Soul Kitchen was thriving and it was just like this cool indie scene going on. Um, and it was like my first real chef job and, uh, I was doing whatever I wanted to. It was fantastic. What kind of food, like was the, did the food start to kind of reflect you? It did. It was, it was like, I look back at some of the dishes now and they're cringeworthy, but like it was, Mm -hmm. but I was doing like mochecas and I was doing feijoada and I was doing like empanadas were a big thing. Uh, but it was all over fried. They were fried there. Okay. They were fried there. Um, it was all over the place. Name like a cringe-worthy dish that that was executed. Um, I was doing like tilapia because I didn't know of any any better with like a crab and corn salsa, which was good. But like a lot of bird blanc. Yeah, okay. you know what I mean. Yeah, bird blanc. Is... Actually, there wasn't that much that was cringe-worthy, but I just didn't like. I was learning still, you know. Yeah, I eat it. Yeah, <laughs> tilapia is gross, man. Don't ever eat it. <laughs> I didn't know that. You know what I mean? Like, is it like every anytime you get a fish taco, you're getting tilapia? Right? Yeah, usually. Yeah. I mean, but like, what's filet fish? I mean, and, I guess it's cod. Yeah, I, now it's yeah. Atlanta cod, right? Yeah, and it's sustainable. I hear, like, for whatever reason. I mean, I'm you okay? Yeah. <laughs> McDonald's would never make hey, any shit up like that. Sponsor. Oh, hey, yeah. no, it's <laughs> no, sponsored by Hamburger University, uh, <laughs> Randolph. So that was like, um, it was great, man. It was a lot of fun. It was there for like ten years. Um, during that time, as a lot of these stories go, I met a young woman who was from Buenos Aires and I started going down there with her. And then when that ended, I didn't, I became fascinated with this like method of cooking yeah. and it's not so different than what they do in Brazil. Like the Shudaskadi is in the South of Brazil. Is it like Parishada or? Yeah, totally. Okay. So that's, but the difference is like in Brazil, it's the skewers in Argentina. It's the asador. It's, it's just the same result, kind of, but just different different cuts. Yeah, okay. So how do the cuts differ? 
the butchering is just totally different in okay. Argentina. Because, yeah, when I, when I was living down there, I lived there in 2009 for, like, six months and stayed with an Argentine family for a period of time. And, like, <laughs> the types of meats that were coming out yeah. were always, like, just super obscure. Like, a lot of time I didn't know what I was eating. Well, and it's even funny now when you... The way that American beef is cut, it's usually cut at at the middleman, right? Like, they get mm-hmm. sides. But trying to explain some of the Argentine cuts to people, it's like, just forget it. It's fine. Well, I feel like it's probably like they're using the whole animal. So, like, you're eating more of it, probably. Whereas, they, like, here, what I was used to is just, like, prime things that were for sure for me to stomach as, like, an American. Yeah, for sure. They do eat a lot more of it. Yeah. And just some of the things that they, like, the inner skirt, the entraña, like, you don't really see here. And they'll eat it, like, with the cuero on it, yeah, which is basically just like the thick membrane, hmm. but it gets crunchy and it's deli- it's super chewy, but yeah. it's just different, you know? So like the inner skirt is not like skirt steak. No. So how does skirts, I mean, totally different stuff, different parts. Sands the membrane. Sands the membrane. Oh, and okay. it's like, there's, right. an, there's an inner and an outer. So okay. what we think of is the outer. Okay. Got it. And we don't even touch the inner here. I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think so. That's interesting. Anyway, I started going to Buenos Aires and I like really was entranced with this whole like cooking with fire thing, which they do better than anyone. And it's, you know, it's funny because when we got uh, Che opened, which was really when Moss closed in 2008, my plan was to do Che then. And I had some backers and then 2008 happened. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> so did La Serena pop up as... La Serena was an accidental restaurant. How so? La Serena... So we were in negotiations to open up Che in Westtown. And I had like this small group of people assembled to, to do that. One of them being Justin Anderson, who did our bar program and like GM'd it. And, he's uh, in Denver now? He's in Denver. He's somewhere in Colorado. Yeah, somewhere in Colorado. He's like crushing food courts yeah the drunkest mm. i've ever been talking to a human in public was maybe <laughs> to justin at coal fire <laughs> you get some uh, details there yeah i mean ellie and i had gone to trevi carry which is like this uh, wine event and you basically go around tasting italian wines from all over italy whatever and ellie and i like you know we hadn't been to a lot of these especially not together and you know you're supposed to spit as frequently as you feel, and we were just like not it feeling up. it. <laughs> not, not feeling it. So we went through the whole thing, uh, got a ride from our friend Andrew. Uh, who, yeah. Anyways, and then so we end up at Coal Fire, and we order our pizzas, and Justin's like at the table behind us, and like we, you know, I turn around over my back, it's Justin. We start talking, and through this conversation, we realize that we're just way too drunk to be in public. <laughs> we take our pizzas that we've ordered, we ask for them to be to go. And we just get out of there, and that's pretty much the last thing I remember from that night. <laughs> and then he decided to move to another yeah, state. Yeah, he was like, this, yeah, <laughs> Chicago's yeah. beat, man. Yeah. These fuckers. Yeah, yeah Chicago's uh, yeah, They don't yeah. spit right. in Chicago. Also, everyone knows that coal fire is no good to go. you got to eat it there. Exactly. 100%. I, I, yes, that's of course true. It um, is like, yeah. it is the best, but it doesn't travel. Yeah. I know, it does not I live, travel. I live three blocks from there and i you gotta you have to eat it there you have to eat it there you really do it is so good that one too of doing like coal fire and twisted spoke on whiskey wednesdays was (laughs) maybe the best one too ever so that was like that was the neighborhood that was like where savannah's was that's what it was called yeah i spent a lot of time there i mean whatever anyway Uh, so anyway so we had this like (laughs) back to more important we had this we had this thing fall through and it was like well fuck like we got to do something 
And uh, a friend of mine, Kim, who owned Dodo, and I knew her from Dodo when it was on Damon. I used to go there like every day to eat breakfast. What was I even doing? Um, <laughs> just oh, I was like, I had not, I had not evolved yet. <laughs> yeah. fucking breakfast. You're wasting meals. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was before we had lunch in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, before, before lunch was invented. Before the advent of lunch. Right. You kids don't remember that, but it was a thing. <laughs> there used to be no lunch. <laughs> so we um we did a pop up there, and like Abe was doing X marks there, and yeah. so like she was open for sporadic hours and that was i mean it was that's grand central now like fulton and morgan but Seriously. back then it was there was nothing going on there yeah. at all so we did a pop-up there and it just kind of stuck but the space wasn't che it wasn't like what it was supposed to be and that, so the pop-up was uh la serena clandestina which was just like i was doing beachy brazilian food justin was doing beachy brazilian it was hot as shit. it was like i don't know early september so it was really hot. There was no AC. We strung up some lights. It was, you know, my friend Frank Oral played music. Uh, it turned into like a dance party. It was like one of those magic things you yeah, do. And yeah. it's like this, we it's should a perfect do this. name for that as well. Yeah. And then when we decided to do a restaurant there, because Kim was going to lose her lease or she wasn't going to make it. So we partnered with her and just took over the lease. And um, it seemed wrong to change the name. Yeah. Even though it was a lot to explain to people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, through the course of the years, that place, I don't know. I miss it. Yeah. yeah. But it couldn't exist it. anymore. You know, like amazing. it was just that a place there, in time. No, yeah. no way. People really loved it. Who else was on Fulton at that time? Moto? Moto was IMG, across the street. PQM. PQM. I mean, Publican um, was there. Yeah, Publican, not PQM. And then uh, Next opened about the same time we did. Right. Yep. And, uh, and Aviary shortly was after. Shortly thereafter. Yeah. But Aviary was funny because, like, there were no bars. Around us, yes, yeah. so you try to send people. <laughs> no, but we just go there. Like me and Justin would just go there after work, and Charles was in charge at that, that yeah. point, and so he'd be like, "Here's some beers. Here's a bottle of whiskey. Drink whatever you want." You know, like, yeah. and you'd have all these people who had like been they, you know, they they traveled the world and they're there like drinking fancy cocktails, and we're like, "Hey, Charles, what's up, man?" <laughs> you know? I was yeah. like, "This is just our neighborhood joint." Yeah, that's really cool. That's a cool neighborhood joint. It have. was a pretty cool. Like that was a that was a cool time. Yeah, those guys are great. We um we once sent a cooler of Smirnoff ice, wrapped it in a gift bag, like in a box. It was around Christmas time, and there was something going on there, and we sent it over, and iced essentially their whole staff. <laughs> and I didn't see it, but it, like Michael was like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> yeah, it's like a Trojan horse of Smirnoff. It was, ice. It was we like, got to bring the icing back. It was with a party can. Yeah, oh, you got canned, Boom, man. You can, yeah, you got man. Canned. Take down the whole party. See, can. Marky, that one's free. <laughs> oh, if man. you got party canned, you'd probably uh, not be. So we did La Serena, but the goal was always to get to Che. Yeah. So when uh, the accidental restaurant. Yeah. Wow. Oops. No, so were you, cool. you knew, I, I know it was kind of always a ticking clock with La Serena. But yeah, like, it was. So was, how close to the end of that did you start working on Che? And how, I guess, how did you find the spot for Che? Too? 2015, uh, my partner, Dan Boyd, his, like he does real estate and his partners bought that building. And I'd always known it's the Checker cool Taxi building. building. You know, like if yeah. you would ever just been down there, it's like, oh, the Seafoam building, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So they... His, some friends of his or associates bought it and we saw it in probably 2014 and then it went away. It was going to be something else. And then it came back and it was just like meant to be. Yeah. Hmm. And it was like you guys opened 2016. Sh- yeah. Shortly after Soho house, which yeah. really 
marked a kind of a renaissance in that area as well. Yeah, that was that was a time. Yeah. So how have you felt about like the evolution of El Che since its inception yeah, I guess, to now? Yeah. You know, it's well, it's funny because when Che opened, I've never really had this experience before, but like I felt as though it opened as an incomplete thought. I wasn't like super happy with what it was when we opened, which is a strange place to be. Um, yeah, there was just a lot of voices. There was a lot of like, uh, there were a lot of, a lot more people involved than I probably would have chosen. I don't know. It just happened that way. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went with, it. I learned a lot doing this. Um, cause I always think of myself as a really good collaborator, but it was too much collaboration. So like the design when it was done was beautiful, but not, not what I wanted. It wasn't me. The menu, like I had a CDC was so fucking talented, but like we didn't really see eye to eye. Yeah. And so that was a struggle. Um, and then at some point, like, I don't know, we just missed the mark a little bit. And at some point I said, okay, I need to, one thing that I was doing wrong is I was trying to do both Serena and Che. And I did it really poorly. I had two people running ostensibly my restaurants with different voices than me and like important and talented voices, but like just not what I wanted. So um, I hired somebody different for Serena who, uh, Maureen Near, who is out of the business, but like so fucking talented and so like just a pleasure to work with. And I took over Che again, just like, and I put my head down in that kitchen and things started to evolve into what it is now. Um, when we shut down, like literally, I think the week before I was like, this is going so great. What could possibly happen now? <laughs> like our numbers were amazing. Like their P and L's were just like, I can't believe how great we're doing. Yeah. And then, you know, I went to that meeting on that Sunday and I listened to a lot of smart people and I was like, and I went back to the restaurant and I was like, we're closed. Everyone get on employment now. Like a, tomorrow a morning had a chef special. Yeah. As soon as you can, like, this is what we're doing. Here's the plan. It's not going to be three weeks. We'll see what yeah. happens, but like, let's do this right now. Smart. And during that time, like, it was interesting because we thought, or I thought about like, okay, if we could do this over again, what would we do? You'd never get that chance in this yeah. business. You know what I mean? And we, and we did that. And now like the evolution is I fucking love Che. It's it? like uh, the people who were like the team is amazing. Um, the wine program, like I'm super Alex Cooper was running that. Like I'm so proud of like what he's doing. Uh, it's just fun. Yeah. Which is what it's supposed to be, right? This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Stock Manufacturing, makers of fine hospitality workwear. You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? Stock has something for every aesthetic. From fine dining to a corner cafe, they've got you covered. Choose from in-stock ready-to-wear options or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com. Where did the name come from? I always assumed it was from Checker Taxi. You just took a syllable. Well, you know, if you look at the building, we have, and it does like it doesn't tra- like it didn't ne- never got there, but like we lit up. Originally, the sign was just the C H E lit up. There's yeah. like lights behind it. No, I found this uh, plaque in Santelmo in like 2002, and Santelmo's like 
this older neighborhood in the south part of the city. And it's like where all the antique shops used to be. Now there's a humongous fair there. Every is it is that where La Cabrera is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That place is amazing. But there's this huge fair. But it used to be full of like antique shops. Yeah, it's kind of like the heart. Like, yeah, it's kind of like the main. It's a big. It's like it's like not Recoleta, but it's like the main. Yeah, it's the main southern neighborhood, I guess yeah, you'd say. Yeah, but like, if sure. you if you go see like a Malonga, it's probably going to be there, which is like a tango show. Um. I was in the shop, and there was a plaque that said El Che Bar. Oh, that's cool. And I asked the guy about it, and he was like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <perfect. laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. with the checker like this. Yeah. yeah, but no, so I had it for years, and it was just like, when I do this, it's going to be called El Che Bar. And then during, like, when we kind of, like, refocused, I realized that, like, we're not that cool. And nobody knows, like, we had people coming in there like, oh, no Miller Lights. This is not a bar. Like, what is going on here? It was like we weren't mods. You know what I mean? Like, we couldn't. Yeah. We couldn't be hidden. It's not a smart business plan for us to have no sign and be called something that we aren't. So that's when, like, we just put steakhouse in it. Literally the next day, people are like, "Hey, we want to spend a ton of money here." Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just insane. Yeah. But like, I don't know if the we word just steak manage... has a lot of clout in Chicago. It does, but it also it's easy for people to understand. And the way that people find restaurants now is like, you could be in the West Loop from wherever, looking at your phone, like, "Well, okay." I can't get in the grill and the goat. I don't want to wait four hours to get a cheeseburger at Oshaval. Like, oh, steak house. I can, yeah, that makes, I can do that. That sounds good. It's funny how names can have such an impact. Wade, Wade was just talking about how they changed at Timeout Market. Uh, big kids changed shitty burger to smash burger and sales like blew up. Yeah, because the people aren't in on the joke. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, they don't I mean, know what we're Wade talking. asked us not to share that, but yeah, it's pretty But here it is. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> It's a I said I'll burger. tell you this, but it's a secret. Please don't share it. <laughs> Luckily, nobody's listening to this. <laughs> except for, hey, Wade. Yeah, except we for Wade. yeah, we have Wade's our one listener. Yeah, Wade, Wade's at home. <laughs> like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, yeah, I should have said that for Wade's episode. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about the your kitchen setup at Che? Yeah. I assume that's fully custom and you designed it. And Yeah, I mean, it was really a lot of, like, back of the napkin design. And that's another thing that, like, I learned a ton. And, um... Because there was no real precedent for it. There's, like, grill works out of Ann Arbor that makes beautiful, like, the Bentleys of grills. Um, and then there's a lot of, like, little guys around the country making these Argentine-style or Santa Maria-style grills. Um, so we had a 12-foot hearth. I knew that. That's what we were doing. Um, and over the course of a couple of years, I just kind of – I went to a steel guy. I had, like, some chapas, some flat tops made. Uh, I found a guy in Texas – and bought like the center grills from and then there was a plan and then i met bobby middleton or i kind of knew him but he came in to do some finish work for us from wayward machine company and uh i got to talking to bobby and i was like telling him what i was gonna do and he's like oh we can fucking do that so bobby like built everything hmm. he built like these ash canisters that are like you can't see that are underneath that are like Unreal, like all the rails, everything. And uh, he is in Nashville now, but his shop is still here. He's back and forth. He's opening a, a Wayward in Nashville. Um, yeah, when something, when we need something done, he's like, cool, I'll be, I'll be over in a day or so. And just, it's good to, yeah, if you're good doing this, like it's good that. to have a guy like that. For sure. But he kind of like built everything. And the first go round, we changed a few things, but it's kind of been the same thing ever, ever since. And it's really set up like one side's meat, 
One side's veg and fish. Yeah. And that's it. Hmm. For those uh, who haven't been to El Che Steakhouse, it's a really cool open kitchen and it's just it's fire and there's really John's nothing there, like man, it. Yeah, it's it's an experience. It's cool. <laughs> it's just, it's just one you have, you have seating fire. back there, right? We do, yeah. We have a so we have a table, a big like twelve foot table, which is actually the floor, which I think was like northern pine, cut out. We've kept that piece. And we went down to the uh, the basement, the slab with brick, to build like the chimney, to build mm-hmm. the hearth. So it actually like goes all the way down to the basement. We took oh. that wood and made a table out of it. And then we also seat a chef's counter, which is like a ten course degustation menu. How many pairs of eyebrows have been lost at that counter? People like man, <laughs> people are like some. It depends on the day. It depends. <laughs> you know, honestly, it depends on with with cooking with fire. There's a lot of factors. You know, it's like if we have the front windows open, it's hotter because like the way the air is getting pulled through the room, like the the whole HVAC setup is somewhat of a mystery. Like we, it's not smoky and, uh, it works, but it, it varies. Like some days I'm like, Oh man, have you had any bad burns? No, no. I think that it's like the, yeah, knock on wood, but the way that it, it really, because it's live, you really approach it with a lot of caution. Mm-hmm. All cooks do. The, you know, usually it's the same things that you would do on a regular stove, which is just hit your arm on something hot. Mm-hmm. And then immediately pull yeah. it back. Yeah. How early do you have to get things started before service? So we light that with a roofer's torch, 20 minutes. Which A roofer's torch is like a, it's a flamethrower. <laughs> you have to le- light it for 20 minutes or you light it and wait 20 minutes? Somebody comes out with uh, the big propane tank and the flamethrower and lights that motherfucker up and it is on fire. It takes about five minutes and there we go. And that's, it takes about, that's it gets, only job. takes about 20 minutes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> See you tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you, maestro. <laughs> See you tomorrow, sir. <laughs> but, uh, no, it takes about 20 minutes to get good coals from there. But in the beginning, like I go in there with like my stick, you know, and like fan blow on it gently and like get the flame going. Now it's just like, Whoa. yeah, we need to come up with like a, a home version the John Mannion. I think Elon Brandon. was trying to sell one of those. He did. George yeah. Foreman. He did. Yeah. He's all like a hundred of them. Not yeah. the flamethrower. I'm talking like a grill. Because like you've got the uh, the portable. We were at a very good birthday party yeah. a couple <laughs> no, of weeks ago. That's a Bobby Middleton. Like that's a, yeah. hey man, can you make this for me? He's Is like, that yeah, like man. A, on a trailer? How do you transport that thing? It just fits my truck. Oh. It fits oh, yeah, like. Big pickup. Yeah. If you're gonna, like you, you, if you're going to do this, big pickup helps. Yeah. Those tomahawks were out of this world. Yeah, they was, sure were. That was fun. So <laughs> delicious. Um, what's your favorite? Yeah, I mean, perhaps we already know the answer to this question, but what's your favorite thing to cook? What's your favorite cut? Uh, you know what? It's It changes so much from day to day. It's just, I really, like when you cook professionally, there's not one thing. Like your enthusiasms go all over the place. I don't really work behind the line anymore. So like whenever I can, it's fun for me because I'm like dad now. I'm like, oh, here comes the old guy. Like <laughs> let him just... yeah exactly i mean it it doesn't get old i'll tell you that much like when you're at home are you cooking for nicole or nicole's cooking oh i cook i cook and what is what's her preference well we have two little kids so like 
it's set. Fair you know enough. this, but yeah. like chicky tenders and fish sticks. That's what we eat. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we'll buy a bag. of It's so sad, but we'll buy like a bag of Costco salad and call that like that's our healthy food. But yeah. we eat the tendies so much fucking like Annie's mac and cheese. Yeah. That, like mm-hmm. and you got to wait until your kids are done. Like oh, that's what hundred percent. I guess I'm gonna have a spoonful tonight. Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. They ate it all. Yeah, I mean, I just finish whatever's left over. That's how we eat. I it's, hate the waste. Yeah, but it's so frustrating. And once you like go through that with your kids, it's not like you're gonna make a meal for yourself. hundred percent not. Yeah, it's, I would sometimes I carve out like one night a week where I'm gonna make something involved. Um, I'm yeah. just getting to now like I'm working five days a week. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Saturdays off, so like usually we'll cook. That's a lie. Usually we'll get pizza because like that's what everybody wants. But it's not like special. It doesn't travel all the way to Berwyn. Uh, no, it does not. <laughs> and I don't know. I've yet to find the pizza in Berwyn. <laughs> yeah, I guess you got to open that up. The Western Burbs are like, there's a lot of like. There's you, have, a lot you have of, barbecue there? I have barbecue, yeah. There's only so much barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Wait, is, are the Western Burbs a pizza desert? For me, I don't know. Like, hmm. I'm not, so I'm not from here, right? So to me, cracker thin crust inexplicably cut into squares around pizza cutter squares like it's not that's not for me <laughs> uh, just talking about this amazing in new york yesterday's place uh waldy's i love a cracker crust it's, I, and it's caught on in chicago are you from here that's what people are doing yeah because like that's a like that's a chicago thing the tavern style yeah like it's, yeah i'm from la it's not a thing in la yeah because it's not a fucking it thing it's not now. like tavern style people love hey, it here, okay so here's my it is one of those things. It's a Chicago thing. And if you grew up with it, God bless you. Like, I understand that you love it. And you pity that person. <laughs> no, I just like, and it's not like what it is, is not bad per se. Right. And if I were like out breaking rocks for eight hours and I went to my local tavern, I had a cold frosty beer. They're like, Hey man, you want a square piece of pizza for free? I'd be like, thanks. That's amazing. That's incredible. <laughs> Thank you so much. Breaking but rocks, like yeah. when I'm hung over on my couch and I order a pie and I get this like cracker crust thing that's cut into like squares, like are there frilly toothpicks? Like what's going on here? <laughs> nobody, right. nobody, I don't think I've seen the frilly toothpicks. Where no, there should at? be. Oh, like, oh, oh, Cause oh, like, how am I like, what are we do? What are we even doing? And like, and I bring this. I talk well, the about middle. I will give you that the middle pieces make no sense. There's nothing to grab, so you're just inevitably right. dipping your fingers. But into neither the do the ones on the, the side that have cheese. nothing on them. It, but at least you, you have cracker. like a. It's a crust. There's yeah. nothing on and it. And like, what it is it. isn't bad. But like, I want a New York slice of pie, man. Like, what is yeah. even happening here? So how do you feel about deep dish? Because I feel like people who don't live in Chicago, like, I think, I think, like tavern style is something when you're in Chicago, you know, it's a Chicago thing. But when people outside of Chicago hear about Chicago pizza, they're thinking Lou's deep dish. And... No, no one eats that. Yeah. Right. No, no, no locals do. <laughs> I mean, like it's. I mean, I mean we once we a year eat, we eat Pequods, yeah, a couple times. Yeah, a year. but that's like that's a good example of what that is. Yeah. It's like, it's it's a treat. It's like a. Dessert. I tend to think, like I said before, I tend to think of things like, why would I eat this? Would I could have that? Yeah. And for me, it's like if I'm gonna have that, like why don't I just have lasagna? It's fucking delicious, right? That's it's fair. not the yeah, same think, thing, but it's in the yeah. same. It's more. It's closer to lasagna than it is pizza. Because like, if I'm gonna eat a pound of melted provolone or mozzarella cheese, lasagna is where I want to be, right? Hmm. I think I'd I'd prefer a kind of a supreme Pequod's deep dish of that caramelized crust to a piece of lasagna. I mean, okay, I'll give you that. Yeah. Is that your top pizza pick, Pequod? From from peak, no, for me. Yeah. Uh, well, I know Coal Fire probably number yeah, one. Yeah, Coal Fire is number one. That's the style of pizza that I like. I yeah. think, like, if strangely, Tim's sister uh, and partner, Brian, 
Liz and Brian, uh, brought <laughs> one time for a birthday. We basically asked that everyone come with a pizza and a bottle of wine. Okay. And so the pizza that they brought was the the hot dogs atomic sausage pizza from Peace. And that has become like a staple in our household. It's very good. Yeah, Peace is pretty good. Yeah. I miss, yeah, but I like, I miss Santulo's. Yeah. Like just a big ass slice where the grease goes down your, like it wasn't, <laughs> there was nothing great about it, but it was like, it was, yeah, it, was it was a good late night yeah. option. Yeah. What is, slice. I don't know my favorite New York style that's here. Mm. Do we have like a, an, I'll tell you what, Nona's attached to Fermentos. Yeah. yeah. They have a good slice, man. I've never huh, had their pizza. I never had yeah. their pizza. I don't think people know about it. Yeah. But it's, it's really it good. It's a sandwich shop. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Well, I got to try that. There's, but like uh, in the West Loop, why isn't there a slice shop? Why isn't there a hot dog stand? Oh. It would kill, man. It would kill. Absolutely. Yeah. I wonder if you could do... I mean, we can't, you can't do a street vendor in the West Loop. No, but you could have a tiny... You could carve out a tiny little for sure. square footage. Lone Wolf did it for a minute, but like then you had to go into Lone Wolf, I think. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was, there was like no a, street was, presence, but like... There yeah, was like I'll a window. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. Um, so what's next? I mean, you've got Che. It's doing really great. I'm pretty happy doing what I'm doing right now. Um, and I'd like, so I partnered with Will Duncan. Like it's his, Oh he, yeah, baby. Gold. he bought Fitzgerald's, but we did a barbecue restaurant out close to me in Berwyn. Um, did you have, did you handle the food side? I assume. Yeah. He brought me in. He wanted it. Like there was an Italian restaurant Capri attached to Fitzgerald's that the yeah. Fitzgerald family, like it had been a wishbone at one point. It had been a few oh, things. Oh, really? Hmm. Um, are there we, any wishbones left? There is. There's one on Lincoln. Right? Yeah, that's the one I think. Yeah. Well, Isn't there's it? that gigantic one in the West Loop that. No, that's not there anymore. Right. I know. Yeah. I think it's just on Lincoln. I think yeah, yeah, I know the one. Lincoln one. Okay. But uh, so yeah, we did a barbecue joint out there. And did you have a, a barbecue philosophy coming in, or did you do research? Humility is my barbecue <laughs> philosophy because, like, when no, because when I went down the rabbit, and I know that people regionally it's like when i explain asado when i explain like how grilling is in argentina the only thing that's close to it is how people feel about regional barbecue and yeah and they feel very strongly so i don't want to like ever be somebody who's i mean our brisket is great it's creekstone farms it's texas style but like i've also had texas brisket and like they know what they're doing you know what i mean like so i don't want to ever claim authenticity to something that isn't so it's really like we joke around, but it's like Berwyn style. It's all over the place. And it's like, I like saucy ribs. So yeah. that's what we're doing. Um, it's good. And, and part of it is just the experience. Like Fitzgerald's is a cool spot. It feels like nowhere else. Music yeah. And have a bite to eat. It it's feels like you're casual and it's really nice. It kind of feels like the South. Yeah. When yeah. you're sitting bring outside Bring your dogs, there. bring your kids, post up for the day. Yeah. It's, it's really nice. It's a, it's a great, like super happy with it. Super proud of it. Nice. Uh, what, uh, what barbecue spots in Chicago do you respect? What are your spots? I think that smoke is kind of like that. They kill yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, consistently, he always I, has. I agree. It's just been like, if that's I was, what I want. I was thinking we might eat it after this. <laughs> Smoke's pretty, pretty, I'm down. pretty good. Uh, uh, talking about always thinking about your next meal. Up north, like Danny Beck at Pearl's. He makes good barbecue. Okay. He's got tunes. You know that bar tunes? Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. They have uh, really good wings. That's yeah. Like like he's, wings like, he's low-key. He's like a competition guy. But he makes really good barbecue. If you're ever up there and he has like it on the board, it's so good. Yeah. Do you know Smoke's opening a steak restaurant? I heard that. Yeah. I talked to him. Uh, I was up there a couple weeks ago. And I guess it's like 
they got an accidental delivery and they like messed around with the steaks um and i guess they're like smoking them and then sous vide and then they finish them so it takes i think it takes like eight minutes to prep i have i want to check it out i have no comment on that (laughs) (laughs) uh you anti sous vide I think most people are for well, especially with what for you're me, doing, yeah. It's, for like, it well, yeah. But here's like, I'm the thing about what I do for a living is I'm always learning, you know. And there's things that I definitely turn up my nose at, but like, if you sous vide carrots and carrot juice, that's the fucking way to cook carrots. You know what I mean? Like, there, it's there's it's great technology for a lot of things. Just like for me personally, cooking meat like that, it's not how I would do it. Well, no, of course not. Yeah, actually, this is this could be good. If let's say I buy a ribeye from the you know from whoever butcher, you know you can buy it from me, Danny. From you, yeah. LJ Provisions, <laughs> man. Oh, Come amazing. on, shameless wow, plug. Right. Oh, wow, all right, cool. Um, how would you recommend like to the average home cook? That's the average home cook. Yeah, how do they a prepare big it? cut of meat? What I always recommend is whether you're doing it on a grill or in a cast iron. Cast iron. Reverse sear it. Okay. Two hundred degrees. Get it to one hundred degrees, and then put it in the pan. Like okay. that's. How long There's, does it have to be in the oven at 200? Depends on the oh, time. Oh, to get it to, internal to, you, you to 100. You just get it to 100 and then, and then okay, finish it, it to like 120. But if I did it like on my Weber grill at home, I'd do the same thing. I would just put it on one side, maybe with some smoke chips, you know, and just let it go kind of slow and then hammer it at the end. Okay, cool. If you've got a nice cut of meat and you're an amateur cook and you fuck it up, it is sucks. there any damage control or do you just no, have man. to you throw just... some A1 on it and call <laughs> you it a You just eat it, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> because, you know, people will come in and buy steaks from me yeah, and, and they ask advice. I'm like, use a thermometer. Use a thermometer. Yeah. Like, use a thermometer. It makes no sense that people are like, I'm just going to, I know what I'm doing. It's like, that person over there cooks like 100 steaks a night. We use a thermometer. Yeah. You know, like, don't be dumb. Thermopen. Yeah. Are, so big, big mistakes time. that people yeah. make are not temping. They're like not getting temps. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, like medium rare to people is 125 or 130. That's not medium rare. Like you want to stop a steak before that and let it rest and come up. But the biggest thing is just like on a hot grill, bringing it to the temperature you want. And then it just keeps on going. You know what I mean? Yeah, so when Here. you make them at El Che, let's say, how much time will a steak rest before you serve it to a table? Like five minutes. Okay, so it's you have it rest for five minutes, then you put it up in the window? Yeah. Is there a rule of thumb for how much, like when a steak is resting, how much more is it going to rise? You need it five degrees, ten depends degrees? On, it, it, it honestly depends on a lot of variables. Yeah. How hot it is in the kitchen, how hot the grill, like how quickly you were cooking it mm-hmm. how hot your breath is as you how hot your breath it. <laughs> exactly <laughs> how, how hot your stare is while you're just looking at it yeah or you're just grilling it <laughs> with your eyes so it can like for us we usually stop like 10 or 15 degrees lower and it'll it'll get there oh, okay because it's fucking hot yeah there, it's man. significant yeah. Hmm. okay and do you like tent it with like tin foil or just let it hang just let it hang we finish it with what we call uh beef whip aka meat butter yeah, I, now we're well aware. <laughs> you, of yes, it. you're aware of this. It yes. was excellent. Yeah, it's a little. Yeah, tell the the listener. So Wade, what we do is we is. we buy only Creekstone Farms, which is there in Kansas, and for me, like it's the best example of like pastured and then grain finished Midwestern beef. It's so consistent, so like fantastic. And when we kind of leaned into doing steak, I realized that as a small independent operator, I had to deliver the goods every day it couldn't be a question you know like i think there's a lot of 
steakhouses that I don't know, not get by on, but like they're about the razzle dazzle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got to cook like beef. We have to try to be the best steakhouse in Chicago every day. Yeah, you can't do tearaway pants anymore. <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> or like, like we don't have a shot girl. You know, yeah, like yeah. this is not something that we're doing. Yep. Not to say that's not a good business plan, but like it's not what we're doing. We're <laughs> it's cooking not what steaks. Is about. <laughs> no, yeah. it could be fun. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, but um. So, the, it's the steak. Like we, so we buy really good beef and we treat it with the utmost respect. But we take, you know, when you buy primals, the strip loins, the the ribeyes, there's a big fat cap that you like. You buy it. You have to buy the whole thing, and uh, we render it down and uh filter it a couple times so it's nice and like bright white and then we whip it with some garlic and a little bit of salt maybe a little magic dust i don't know and that's what we rest the steaks with we only and we only cook with beef fat with that beef fat so it's like prime dry aged beef fat it's so good it makes a difference for sure Mm. now you know all my secrets (laughs) yeah so (laughs) that culinary wise that and crumbled up potato chips on things like that's what i got (laughs) (laughs) that's all i got uh, so what are, I mean, the steak is what I, it's synonymous with the restaurant. What, what are your favorite non meat things on the menu? Like what, what are the perfect pairings? So when we kind of like reset, we have a section that's just like one side of the grill is just grilled shellfish mostly. Like we do a whole branzino and we do some beautiful salmon, but like oysters, shrimp, lobster we're putting king crab on this week Mm, octopus like done very simply and it takes a lot of skill to cook to just grill things that are that delicate yeah so for me it's like that's where i want to start i love a seafood tower Mm -hmm. it's done and it's done very well in chicago so that side of the menu for us is like grilled shellfish and i think it's a must um i always have quail on the menu it's one of my favorite things in the world to eat. And it's one of those fun things where it's like people think that it's strange or esoteric or they're not going to like it. It's like, man, it's a little delicious bird. Just pick it <laughs> yeah. up and eat it. And it's one of those mid courses we do, um, you know, for a group of people that the servers will suggest and people are always blown away by it. Hmm. Yeah. I have a theory that all birds have the same amount of flavor, but it, a turkey is going to have the quail flavor spread across 15 pounds or whatever. <laughs> you got to go small to get the delicious. same flavor quantity. Turkey. Yeah, it's it's concentrated. Yes. Yeah. yeah turkey's the I mean the least interesting part. Of we don't do a lot of Thanksgiving oh you know what turkeys. the only reason yeah. for me to have turkey is to make gravy for sure. Yeah. Stock to make gravy and then make stuffing 100%. with the parts of the turkey yeah. that like you want. Other than that, like agree a slice of breast. Okay. Sure. Yeah, but I like cover it in gravy. Yeah, it's all about the carbs. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it doesn't need to be there. Yeah, it really really doesn't. Mashed potatoes, stuffing, gravy. It's all I need. Yeah. Essentials. You want to do a little gratuity? Let's move on to the gratuity round. This podcast is brought to you by Geneva. Danny, what is Geneva? Well, Tim, I'm glad you asked. Geneva is a European spirit with a wide range of flavors and lots of personality. It always uses malt spirit and juniper and other botanicals, so sub would place it somewhere between gin and whiskey. It can be floral and bright like gin or round and malty like whiskey. Whatever your preference, there's the Geneva out there for you. Even me? Even you, Tim. This campaign is financed with aid from the European Union. All right, John Mannion, what's your death row meal? 
uh, steak au poivre, fries, a seafood tower if we're going to go for it. Like yeah. seafood tower, steak au poivre, French fried potatoes. Nice bottle of Bordeaux might do. You know, like Ooh, a, a mm-hmm. bottle of red. Yeah. That, like, I'm good. Dessert. De- decadent. Yeah. It's great good. answer. I mean, it's my last meal. Yeah, yeah I hope you course. go to a white collar prison. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, favorite fast food? And I know you have a Culver's out by you. We do. That's not it, though. Oh. The closest restaurant to my house is Taco Bell. Yeah. Love um, it. Yeah. So two things here. Like, I don't... The fast food that I love, I love, and Taco Bell is one of it. One of them. Uh, Popeye's two-piece dark hmm. with okay. uh, dirty rice, mashed potatoes with andouille gravy. Like, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right. Nice. But uh, Taco Bell is probably, like... What's your order there? We'll go with the combo. I'm not sure what number it is, but now that the Mexican pizza is back, there's a Mexican pizza with two crunchy Taco Supremes, and then I'll throw in like a wild card. I'm the can't. I love a Taco Supreme. It's the best, man. I mean, that's what I get. My every kids time. hard or soft? Hard. Hard. Crunchy okay. Yeah, crunchy yeah, yeah. taco. My kids call them sour cream tacos. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> like, that's right. what they want. hundred percent. And I'll throw in like a wild card, like oh, throw a chalupa on there. Yeah. Crunch wrap. You know, like as a kid, it was Maxi Melts, but they don't make them anymore. Maxi Melts were so good, man. I love the so Gordita. Good. R.I.P. Yeah. Those uh, Mexican pizzas are back, but in limited supply. Yeah, I went to Taco it's Bell last like, week, and they were out of them. That's ridiculous. Well, John calls ahead. I got a guy. <laughs> I got a guy. He's on the list. Yeah. Hey, Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy I'm going to be by later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Save me one, okay? Yeah, he has to text a different number every day. Oh, like 20 bucks in the window. <laughs> yeah. Here you go, my man. He's paying 50 bucks out the door for Mexican <laughs> pizza. Yeah. Priorities. Uh, all right. Favorite restaurant you've been to recently? Uh, Do you get to go out with your kids? No, I don't. We yeah, we. That's I went to uh, Obelie. That was great. Okay, that was great. Yeah, that's so a we good don't answer. like we don't. It's been a while. I'm just like starting to dip back into eating out. I'm really excited about it. There's a lot of places I want to try. But, yeah, like, what's what's opened recently that's on your list? Recently, man, uh, I like I. I'm drawing a blank. Put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah. no, it's all right. Yeah, we. Uh, so everybody else has. Like, like I haven't been to Kasama. You know what I mean? Like I've had their pastries, oh, yeah. but like yeah, gotta, I got a fucking full yeah. food experience. Uh, Perilla, like I haven't been there. Oh, you've had their breakfast sandwich. Yeah, I had the breakfast sandwich, but like it's I want to go favorite. eat. Like they're so. I want to go to Perilla too. Like Let's those two Perilla's are probably great. the top of my list. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the aprons at Perilla, man. <laughs> Did you guys put notch. together something special? Yeah, yeah they actually are cool. Yeah. <laughs> but those guys come in, man. They're so cool. You know what I mean? They're awesome. Yeah. And Jeannie and Tim, like. Who's mad about them like yeah, letting the world great. on fire? They're just like so happy for their success. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. All right. Favorite old school spot? Taco Bell. Taco Bell. <laughs> OG. <laughs> the, the one on Fullerton, like by Fullerton, when, when there's only one Taco Bell. Yeah, when the logo yeah. is different. <laughs> exactly. No. Um, I mean, does Bouchon probably qualifies? Oh, so yeah. good. It's like my favorite. I've been there more times than any restaurant in Chicago, and it's not close. That's so good. Like Uncle, I think we had lunch at Uncle Mike's. Like that for mm-hmm. me is like that's back in the day. Uncle Mike's is amazing. Love Uncle Doesn't Mike's. get enough attention. No, but and that's they're okay. open very early. Yeah, yeah. very very what is early. It, Five a.m. Yeah, <laughs> back when thirteen was there, the police precinct it was always full of cops. Hmm. And I think that's why they opened early. And they just haven't stopped. Oh yeah, wow. Yeah, that's like uh, when you get an early flight in. Danny turned me onto that. It's a good, good yeah. spot to go from the airport. It's great. But Bouchon, man, it's magical. Yeah, and sure I like. Is. I could not be more like what those kids have done is amazing. And Chingon. And Chingon. Yeah, yeah. And they've got a like, new spot opening too, right? Obli. Oh, oh, right, right. Mention it. Yeah. But that's like, 
I don't know. I was friends with their dad, and like it was that place was amazing. And just watching the kids take it over and thrive and flourish, it's like Bouchon is on its third, fourth, fifth. Like, yeah, it's cool for me to go in there and see like young cooks loving it again. Because like when I was coming up, that was like one of the first restaurants I ever came to in Chicago, and it was full of like cooks and waiters. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was that's the honest food. That's like French yeah. bistro food. That's the real deal. Yeah. Love going there. So yeah. All right. What's your go to cocktail order? Oh man, that's situational. <laughs> Let me think about this. For a summer day like this. Summer evening. Am I going to summer am I going morning. to dinner? Yeah. You're at your death row meal. What are you pairing with your seafood <laughs> uh, tower and your oh, no, okay, think, all right, yeah, death, all right. Just, okay. Like I'll give us. you a couple here. Death row is probably with that meal, it's gonna be a it's going to be a beef eater martini, and I'm going to order olives, and the bartender is going to say, do you want blue cheese olives? And I'm going to say yes. Okay. Blue cheese <laughs> but olives. But I'm not going to order them. Yeah. They're going to ask me, and then I'm going to say yes. Even though I want them, I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to order them. I don't know why. Yeah, but you like, don't want to. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's not, but it, I mean, <laughs> it kind of is. No. I own that. Uh, a good Tim Negroni. Tim always has be, uh, blue cheese olives in his pocket. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's why I got uh, a Negroni okay. is like that's like an a, equal parts Negroni. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then that martini is Should that. I? What's the how much vermouth are you putting in that thing? A wash. Okay. Just, just a, a wash. Just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I don't want it like dry, dry, but like because beef eater like it's what I like. Yeah. You know. It's great. Yeah. It's like when you get a cocktail menu, do you, do you look at the spirits first? Oh. A cocktail menu. If you have something like stirred mezcal, I'll probably go there or Same. or bourbon. Yeah. I like bourbon needs a pretty good, like, just if I'm at a loss. So you like spirit forward things, not a lot of acid in your yeah. cocktail. I do. Cool. It's good to know. Is there something you can attribute your success in the industry to? A mentor or I mean, philosophy? The opportunity that Dean Zanella gave me and just, like, the amount that he taught me was invaluable. And I'm like, you can't even put a price. Like, it was just, I don't even know if I understood it at the time, but like, it was a gift that is incredible. And it's, you know, I think of now working with kids where like, can I do the same thing? Do I have that capacity? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's teaching. Um, do you think though, there are certain parts of your personality that make you more geared toward being successful in this industry? Uh, perseverance, I guess, like, I've never given up. <laughs> yeah. I think experience too, and just seeing so much at a young age. 100%. Travel. But even like, I've been doing this a really long time, and I feel like I'm just getting good at it from like now. Most of my day is like the big picture business stuff. And when I'm able to do that, we're, we are as a team a lot more successful. I'm just learning to like my GM, AGM, my CDC, they're all like amazing, more talented than I ever was. So let it, like getting out of their way and letting them do their thing, yeah, and not micromanaging them has been hard for me. But like, it's paying dividends if I can just be like, my uh, CDC Adam put up a dish not long ago, and it just wasn't how I would have plated it, and I was like, oh, I just like I just like bit my fist. I'm like, that's beautiful. Let's go with that. And I, you know, and like, that was, that was a big moment past the moment. But like, if I'm not listening to younger voices, then, you know, like things move on. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important to kind of take it all in for Mm -hmm. sure. 
if you weren't a chef, you spent a long time doing it. Boy. If you weren't a chef, what would you want to be doing? Don't say shot girl. A shot girl. <laughs> you can say shot girl. <laughs> shot girl. I don't think I'd be good at being a shot girl. <laughs> no, John. It would be a the, very different. It would guests. be a different. Yeah, it would yeah. be a different demographic. <laughs> um, I don't know. In retrospect, there's no money in writing. I'm too lazy for it anyway. I think that a good life would have been like being a firefighter. Hmm. Yeah. You know, like having adventures, helping people. No one's mad at firefighters. Yeah. I mean, you're That's pretty true. close to fire now. Yeah. 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 Now I you're mean, bu- you're building the fires now. It's and right. sometimes putting them out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Figuratively. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, there was a moment there, like, and I think we probably all felt this during the pandemic where I was like, literally laying in bed in my sweatpants, like, okay, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, we all had that. Like, I don't know what else am I, yeah, am I selling awful. Cisco? Yeah. And who am I selling it to? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, but like, what am I qualified to do? Mm. Like, I'm a little long in the tooth to change careers right now. Yeah. How long was Che closed for? We closed, then we opened when we could. Like doing just to go stuff? We did to go for like 30 minutes one day. I had this like, when I did time out, that was like, I was trying to do this concept yeah. that was chicken. And I was like, this is a great opportunity to try that. Like this Brazilian style, like chimichurri chicken. And I have like a whole, like it's in a box. I, like this is a business that's ready to go. So I decided to do that to go and I did it for like a day. And I looked at the numbers. I'm like, this is not something that we're going to do. I don't want to come in here every day and do this to ring next to nothing and build this business that hopefully will go away. Yeah. So we sold meat and we sold wine. We sold cocktails. We just tried not to do anything dumb and like probably, probably grew your audience so that when you did reopen, people were excited. Meat and provisions was really like a way to, uh, get some revenue, but honestly it was a marketing thing to like, what can we do that's vital and what can we just stay in front of people? So Mm -hmm. if you're not buying steaks from us, at least, you're seeing something that we're doing something and our name is out there. Yeah. Are your steaks sold in any other? No, like I buy like, markets, local markets or whatever. I buy Creekstone from Whittingham on the South side. They do all the cutting for me. They do the dry aging for me and I'm just really passing it through. It was like, cool. I have it here. Um, I would rather my neighbors buy this beautiful beef from me at not the margins that I usually charge, but like it's almost like an amenity to the neighborhood. Yeah. And I, the way I price them is I go look at Whole Foods, and I charge that much. All right, <laughs> you know, right. I'm not in the retail like, business. It seems like a great deal. Yeah, it's it's like we I have a few like you than Whole Foods. we have a few core neighborhood uh, customers, but at the same time, like good customers, it's like you like that wine, cool. I'll get you a case. You need a you need a whole pig. I'll call my guy. You know, like it's That's just nice. kind of part of hospitality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Have you ever considered doing? anything educational like how not to fuck up your meat you buy from us like some sort of class yeah we've like we actually do classes um we're gonna start doing them quarterly we've been through them it's something we'd started before the pandemic and they were really successful like i wheeled out that rig uh onto the sidewalk on a saturday morning not long ago and did like a tomahawk class on washington on washington oh whoa. (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i don't know no one's gonna see this yeah. It's barely. We actually did it. We had Sebastian Zuccardi, who's like one of our hero winemakers, in on Father's Day. We did this dinner, and I, like it was very important to us that we blew his mind. 
So I brought that out there. And he's like the coolest cat ever. And he's from our, like, he's from Mendoza. And he's like, is this legal? <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> it is not legal at all. But, like, I'll take my chance. I'll ask for forgiveness later. Yeah. So yeah. we do. Yeah. And, you know, as we kind of, as I'm able to step out of the kitchen a little bit and take a longer view of, and try to grow Che, um, we're doing some videos. You know, we're doing things that are instructional yeah in terms of how not to fuck up the steak uh you've worked in a lot of kitchens over a long period of time what's the gnarliest thing you've seen at a restaurant uh the gnarliest thing i think that i've ever seen goes way back to when i lived in virginia um i forget the name of the restaurant it was in alexandria and before i moved here i decided i was going to make as much money as i could so i waited tables at a place that was like the equivalent of Maggiano's, but during that time, so busy. And I remember my section, I'm not a good waiter. Never was, never will be. <laughs> but like the sections were like, you have seven, six tops and all these deuces. And it was just like, and I was the guy who would like, you want me to take your lunch? Cool. You want me to close? Awesome. Like I was just there for the money. And there was a new full, like 18 inch plastic wrap like up on top of a shelf and one of the servers went to get it and it fell and they caught it on the serrated and just like ripped her hands completely open. Oh, uh, mm. that was like, I've seen a lot of like gruesome, gruesome wounds, but that was a big, like, Oh, uh, <laughs> those are heavy, rough, heavy. Yeah. It like mm. did serious damage. Like she, she had nerve damage and, Oof. Oh my you God. know what they, you know what? In the last decade though, the gnarliest thing, that you see often. It's not kitchen guys. It's bartenders. And it's the... Serrated. The peeler. No, it's the peeler. Yeah. The pre- yeah. Oh, yeah. Catch a finger. Catch a finger. Catch a thumb. Yep. I, I'm i grimacing every time I'm using a mandolin. Oh, everyone. Like, that's just like... Yeah, just yeah. get mandolin, out of the way. Just cut yeah. yourself. Just that's a right of passage. You gotta cut yourself on the mandolin. I remember the mandolin... I've done like a fingernail tip of finger mandolin. Yeah, the worst so. that I did on that, I was like... I wasn't staging. I was like working at the butcher and larder when it was like in between jobs and Rob's a friend. So I was like, I want to learn how to butcher. And I was in between jobs and that was a really tight crew. And I knew all those cats from when they had motto. And I went in to like help Rob or learn from Rob. Really. I wasn't helping much. And, uh, I was tasked with family meal and I was making like a radish law and I stuck my thumb, Mm. you know, like, uh, not just the slicer, but like it's got the serrated, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I sucked my thumb in it, so I had two long cuts and it just wouldn't stop bleeding. <laughs> the, the parallel lines. Yeah, the parallel lines. I've and, done it. and so, like, I wrapped it up in a towel. Stars. No, no, I heal pretty well, thankfully. <laughs> so I wrapped it up in a towel and I held it above my head for like an hour. Cause you can't, there's no stitches there. You know oh. what I mean? Like, it just has to, like, you, it stops bleeding and eventually it heals. And I remember it was the first time I met Christine and Josh from Honey Bar Fried Chicken. Like, they came in there, and it was like everyone loved each other. And, and Rob was like, I want a fucking stage. Like, <laughs> I thought they came himself. in just because Rob texted them. Like, you got to check you out gotta see this You got to see this. Look at this guy, man. Yeah, this moron. <laughs> this old. All right, last question here. What is something that restaurants do that annoys you? Oh, man. Um, for me, it's like it's service. It's like it's all comes down to service. Mm-hmm. And I think we've probably all experienced, and I think we're getting past it as a model, but for a while there, it was like, I don't, 
being judged, being like, uh, I'm just trying to get a cheeseburger, man. You don't have to be an asshole. You know? Do you think yeah. that's, I think about that too. Like I get in my own head ordering. I'm like, this server is going to judge. I'm going to look like an idiot. No, I, yeah, is that a, that, uh, we're, that has to be mostly in our own. No, head, it's right? not. No, no, no. I'm no, no, no people talk, whole, but the thing is, yeah, it's, we're getting past it. And like it, it, it was it was a bar thing, but it was also a server thing. Mm-hmm. Where like you order, there are times I've gone into bars. I'm like, I'm gonna, I in no way, shape, or form want a Tito's and soda, but I'm gonna order one just to piss this person off. <laughs> you know, like like this with this, extra blue cheese olives. Yeah, or? man. Like this 23 year old who like survives on uh, White Claw and Parliament Lights is gonna be like, oh, this fucking guy. Look at this fucking guy. Yeah, this fucking idiot wants I a mean, fucking yeah. vodka soda. Look at this fucking. Look at this. Yeah, asshole. but you try to. Tra- I mean, we train that out of our staff pretty fast. Yeah, but like catch it. But there is like there is that where it's like, man, I just want what I want. Yeah, of course. And, and that's good hospitality. And that's yeah. And I feel like the pendulum is swung on that. But mm-hmm. you st- you still experience it sometimes where it's like, sorry, I, the sorry, I just I've been yeah, bullied into wine pairings before. <laughs> it's not <laughs> a new thing. Yeah, I think that an unfortunate circumstance of like eating in particular types of restaurants is that. You, certain things get suggested to your table and they're things that you might not ever order. Right. But you're kind of like pressured into it because you don't want to like seem cheap. Like <laughs> you're, totally. they're like, all right, so for this, I really recommend like doing a caviar pairing on the side and you're just like, you've got three other people there. You're worried that they're judging you. Yeah. The server's judging you. So you're like agreeing to like this supplementary pairing for no truffles. reason. Yeah, truffles, truffles are in. You want truffles on this? I'm like, not, you know, for my money, yeah. not really. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm yeah. good. Like, but I'm like, I'm yeah, basic. You can hold man. those truffles, baby. You got any truffle oil back there? Because that's fine with me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like bang for your buck, they're fine. Yeah, we recently were uh, eating in Montreal, and we uh, we let the server kind of be the quarterback of our meal, which was a big mistake. I've done that in Montreal. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> and when the bill came, we were just like, mm, "This was on us, I guess." Yeah, <laughs> I had a meal where like. I felt like I was going to die. Yeah. That's like, the amount of calories. Awful. Like yeah. I was like, am I going to, I need a digestive because I think I might puke. <laughs> yeah. We had like a halibut covered in like burr blanc and truffles that was not even seasoned. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like a huge prank. Yeah. Uh, $1,100. <laughs> it was like, oh man, yeah. I fucked up. And 11,000 calories. <laughs> or like. Yeah. This happens when you're like, oh, you know, like wine, man. What do you think? Like, yeah, oh, that's, uh, <laughs> I think that you're an idiot, and I'm gonna bring <laughs> yeah. you like, <laughs> yeah, that's a slippery slope. But I do, and that's why, like, honestly, that's why I end up going to the same places because I want to trust the servers 100%. to like, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, and with doing what I do for a living, like, I'd rather that you just figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. here's what I don't want. Mm-hmm. Here's what I kind of am thinking tonight. But like, if you just do it, that'd be great. Here, take these away. Like, let's just do this. Absolutely. But you never want to feel like you got robbed. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't want to be like, well, you know, in my mind, I've spent $300 on this meal. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> I got 300 bucks. 20% of it's for you. Yeah. <laughs> you do the math. Yeah. And that was like the thing about Bouchon is every time I ate there and I used to go there a lot, it was like, that should have cost more. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I agree with you, especially if you go on like a Monday, you're getting half price wine. Oh, you mean two for one wine? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the best. 
Uh, well, John Mannion, you're a gent. Thanks so much for oh, joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, us. man. Yeah, Thanks thank for having you me for in. being here. This was, I'm going to take my humongous can of uh, Old Fashioned and go sit in my car and cry for a while. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Peace. And that concludes our conversation with chef owner John Mannion. Mannionero. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for a fresh new episode.